Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jared Causey, and you are listening to Causey's Conversation. Um, this episode is, uh, is going to be a, a very uh, good one. I'm, I'm very excited about the guest I have on with me. He's a good friend, good brother in Christ. Um, he's a fellow church member. His, name's, his name is Frank Gantz. Hey, Frank, how are you doing? Doing well, Jared. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Just uh, making it through this uh, interesting and weird weird uh, time or season, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's been good. Um, glad you're on. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, uh, for those of you that do not know, uh, Frank is a, uh, we, we, me and Frank met at, at Graceview Baptist Church, where we both go, uh, go to church. And uh, we just, we met, actually, I think we met on, on at Southwestern campus. We, that's mm -hmm. where we actually met, but uh, he was with a friend of, of ours. Uh, and, uh, but we, we, we've connected through Graceview and um, been, uh, known each other ever since then. And it's been good to get to know him. He's given me a lot of uh, great, helpful ministry advice. Uh, he's critiqued a few of my sermons and uh, uh, I definitely need it. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely have a lot to learn there and uh, continue to grow, but it's uh, very, very thankful for Frank and his life and testimony. And I wanted to have him on today and, and talk a little bit about his life and, some of his experiences and, and just uh, some of the things that he has uh, come to know through his life and um, through uh, pastoral ministry and, and through other experiences. So i um, glad he's, he's on the, uh, joining me here for this conversation. Uh, so Frank, uh, go ahead and if you would, uh, maybe uh, tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, kind of maybe an overview and, you'll get, and then uh, get, uh, get going into your actual story of your the beginning and early years of your life. All right, glad to, Jared. Uh, well, at this point, um, I've been in Texas now for about a year and a half. Uh, lived for a number of years before that in South Florida. Um, recently became a widower. My wife passed away just a little over a month ago after a three-year battle with cancer. And it is definitely... Uh, shaking things up uh, for me. I'm not used to uh, being without her. And so that makes things a little different, uh, Different, but the Lord has been gracious and has uh, sustained me. And he did a great work in her life in the last, in those three years. And that was the, that was what was greatly encouraging. So we're hoping that um, her story and the things that we've gone through will be an encouragement to others, as well as uh, the rest of my story that I know we'll get into today. Uh, so uh, I live here in Texas now and we're delighted to be a part of our church and, and have some family that live around me and uh, be able to spend some time with them. So yeah, it is a different time. Um, in more ways than one for me, but it's, it's the Lord's good. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, the, the reason, uh, you and, uh, Miss Susie moved here was because of your, your parents. You want to be closer to them. That is correct. My, uh, my father's 91 and my mother's 81 now. And so, um, we wanted to be able to spend a little more time with him. We had the flexibility to move. It was a big thing for Susie, that was my wife. Um, she was born and raised in, in South Florida. Um, but we 
we were really not tied to that area. We had a great church we were a part of and was able to uh, to be a part of the preaching team there and teach on a weekly basis. And we really enjoyed that and the people there. We enjoyed the sunshine and the beach. Um, but with her sickness and and I have a bad heart myself, we were able to experience less and less of what South Florida has to offer. And so we began thinking and praying about what God would have for us in this stage of life. And uh, we we suspected that her cancer might be coming back. She had she'd been in remission for a while. But it wasn't until after we'd been here about three or four months that we knew that her cancer had indeed resurfaced. And um, so we spent most of this last year with her wanting to get things ready for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we were able to, to find us a home and um, she worked diligently to prepare uh, for when she would not be here. So that's kind of uh, what brought us here was to be close to the parents and uh, help minister to them. And in fact, they've ministered more to us and more to me than what we ever probably will be able to do for them. But so it's been good. That's great. That's wonderful. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not from Florida, though. You're, you're, you're not from Texas either. Uh, you're from Oklahoma. Is that correct? Well, that's what I call my home state, um, but I actually lived in Oklahoma for a total of about uh, five and a half, six and a half years, um, and I grew up as a military brat, so, uh, you know, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, lived after that in Okinawa, lived in Italy for three years. Um, as a young adult, I lived in Germany for a year and a half. Uh, so I've lived all over. Um, but Oklahoma is where my father was from. My mother's from Arkansas. And uh, I graduated high school in Oklahoma, went to Oklahoma Baptist University. Uh, so that's what I consider my home. And plus, uh, you know, our family has had a long tradition of, of being Oklahoma Sooner fans. So uh, though I'm not haven't been in Oklahoma in a long, long time. That's still what I consider my home state. So <clears throat> when you were, uh, you know, when did you become, um, I guess, a, a Christian? What, what, when, what was your early life like in terms of your spiritual walk? Uh, did you go to church a lot as a kid? Uh, what was that like growing up? I, I did go to church a lot growing up. Um, my, from a, the earliest Day, before my early days, my mother was a believer, and uh, my father was not at first. And uh, one of the things I still remember as a young boy, one of my uh, one of my memories is uh, seeing my father come to know Christ, um, and seeing the change that came about him. I I don't know a whole lot, but I just remember knowing there was something different about my dad. And dad began to uh, communicate the gospel with uh, whoever he could. And he began to share the gospel. And when we'd go back to see family, he'd get all the family together and he'd, he'd share the gospel with them. And there's been a lot lasting fruit from those encounters. And, and so I, I grew up in that environment. Um, we did go to church, usually small Baptist churches, uh, where people love Jesus and they believe the book. And, uh, you know, it was just a part of 
part of who we were. We'd, we'd sing hymns at home together. We'd read the scriptures. And mom and dad really uh, did, a, did a wonderful job of, of nurturing their young family uh, in the ways of the Lord. And, um, you know, we, we saw that, you know, my sister and I growing up. And, and uh, so that was, a, that was a big plus. I, I became a Christian at a very young age uh, because I'd been learning the things of, of the scriptures, learning the gospel, and remember trusting in the Lord one Sunday night um, in a children's Sunday night class, and then made that profession public and was baptized um, after my dad, who was doing some lay preaching at the time, after he preached a sermon, and um, so was a part of the church from very early on. Uh, I, I can relate to Timothy having learned it uh, from early on. Awesome. So when growing up, um, I assume, you know, eat, you know, we talk about today's uh, teenagers and <clears throat> young people, they, all the things they have uh, available to them, both good and bad and uh, all of the temptations and stuff. But I mean, obviously when you were, when you were a kid, I mean, there were temptations, I'm sure, plenty around you. What what sort of things maybe did you struggle with or um, or battled with uh, growing up? Well, you know, I even though I'd become a Christian and and knew the, what God required of me, so to speak, uh, there were struggles. And um, you know, my my biggest struggle was as a teenager came in the form of that which would uh, bite me uh, more than once in my life. And that, you know, at the age of 16, um, first time sexual experience, not within the confines of, 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 of what God had set forth for me. And uh, the end result was after one time, a teenage pregnancy. Um, and so at the age of 16, I got married, I was married. And at the age of 17, had my first child. And um, it, it was after that, that the Lord kind of smacked me hard enough to say, this is not the way. And so it was a few years after that, that I began to sense God calling me to preach. And so um, that after spending a, year and a half in the military, uh, or three years in the military, excuse me. Um, I then went to college to begin preparing for ministry, ministerial work. So in, during that time, did, uh, you know, your high school years, did you have any, uh, pastoral, uh, you know, mentors or anyone that kind of led you as you were approaching that moment of knowing, Hey, I ministry is something I, I think I should be doing. I should be getting into. Well, there really wasn't a there wasn't really a lot, Jared. Um, personally, now, I did have an older cousin. Uh, his name is Dwayne, who God was working on in his life too about uh, ministry uh, ministry call, and so he was a big help. Uh, he was a big help, and God used him greatly in in that time. Um, but we 
you know, didn't have what today I would call a strong Bible preaching church or anything. You know, we the pastor in our church believed the book and um, and and shared the gospel and, and things like that. But the I, I can remember there were a couple of preachers through tape ministries um, or television ministries that that God used some of the things they were saying to, to stir my heart. One was Charles Stanley um, back in that day, and then another was Tom Elif, who at that time was a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, while I was living in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, right outside Tulsa. So those were the two that kind of, um, as they preached, I began to think about the possibility that God might want me to be doing something like that. Um, but I soon after beginning to think that's what God wanted for me, uh, I moved away. So, uh, and began, began kind of a journey of, of uh, walking with the Lord with local bodies of, uh, of believers wherever I was, you know, um, so that, and then it became those local bodies, you know, it was still a, kind of a moving world because being in the military, I was, I was stationed stateside for a year, then I was stationed in Germany for a year and a half, and and then it was back to the States for college, and so, uh, but the Lord put us in some good solid churches at that time that I began to see through some of those men, uh, some of the things that I would need to, to see for my own benefit. So, uh, you mentioned the military. What what was that like uh, in terms of your spiritual walk? What was that like, um, just experiencing all those different things and changes? Well, it, it was good for me spiritually. Um, at the time, I didn't think it was good for much else, to be honest with you. I mean, I enlisted, uh, but I was uh, post-Vietnam era and uh, was before, um, you know, most of the Ronald Reagan days. So it was not a great time for the morale of the military. And, and, uh, uh, and I, I wondered so many times, Lord, why, why am I here? You know, I don't want to be a sergeant in the army. I want to be preaching the gospel somewhere, but the Lord gave me wonderful opportunity as a 20 year old young man, and without much experience, I was able to be one of the pastors of the church, uh, of an English-speaking church in Germany. And the Lord did amazing things in that church. We saw folks come to the Lord on such a regular basis, and we saw people growing up in the Lord. And um, so that was a that was an experience I had that I probably wouldn't have had if I'd been stateside. Uh, and so that was wonderful. And then just how God has worked in my life since then with, with my, for example, with my heart condition today, uh, I would have been in big trouble medically and uh, with the question of insurance and payment and that kind of stuff. But those, that time in the, in the military uh, has made me accessible to VA med medical care. And they have done a wonderful job of taking care of me and keeping me alive. They, uh, they didn't, think I would be here uh, nearly this long. So that's, that's been a very good thing that came out of, out of that experience. Um, but so I, I finished my three years and then came back and went to college. 
Awesome. Where where did you go to college at? Went to Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, very good experience. Um, you know, folks there that taught me uh, to think. Um, I love the liberal, liberal arts approach uh, that I learned there uh, and got some good biblical. I was a religion and history major, so got some good, good stuff there that prepared me for the rest of life. So I'm grateful for what I got from OBU. Awesome. So you, and throughout this time, you were married and you had one or two kids or? Well, I had the one in, when I was in high school, had the one, had the second one when I was in the military, had the third one in OBU, and then had the fourth and final one when uh, I moved on to seminary. Okay. So going through college and, you know, even the military too, like, uh, having kids and being married, what, what was that like battling those, you know, I don't want to say distractions, those aren't distractions, but those are just life, uh, commitments. Those are life responsibilities. How did you, you manage all of that while, you know, being in the military, you know, doing college and, and, and ministry? Well, it was tough. Uh, it, it was not as tough during the military time. Um, cause I'd, basically go to work, uh, and, you know, in the day, come home at night. Uh, that was, that was not as big of a challenge as it was going through college and seminary. Uh, I actually pastored a church for almost my entire college days, uh, 90 miles north of the campus. So I had a decent commute back and forth and, uh, we lived in a, Church provided home there in northern Oklahoma. Um, loved it, um, but it was it was it was challenging. I mean, I was I was pastoring a church, I was taking care of a family, uh, and I was taking a ton of classes uh, to finish. Uh, finished up early at, at OBU, so I was taking a lot of classes and studying and reading. And I don't recommend it, but in Oklahoma, it's flatland, and the road between our town and Shawnee was pretty much a straight line. The steering wheel never turned, and so uh, I often propped a book up on the steering wheel and, <laughs> <laughs> and read back that. and forth. So that was that was a tough time, and it was a challenge. And I was a little bit different. I mean, the, uh, a lot of the guys at OBU called me Father Frank because they said, well, you know, we're out, out of high school. You've already lived around the world. You've got a family. You, you know, you're pastoring a church. You just seem older than we are. And I was about three years older, but uh, seemed more so probably uh, to them than that. So that was that was kind of the, the college day experience. Right. So once you finished college, you wrapped that up. Um, I, I assume seminary, that, that was your next step. Um, where, where did you go to seminary at, and, and how was that? I went to seminary at Mid-America, uh, seminary in Memphis. Um, loved it. Uh, was there at the time Dr. Gray Allison was the president. Such a heart for evangelism and missions and, a, and for a seminary to, you know, which was uh, a challenge in those days to have a seminary where every professor believed all, the, all of the Bible 
uh, and um, was an active part of the local Southern Baptist Church and, and was active in sharing their faith. So you, you just caught that evangelistic and missions spirit from Dr. Gray and from the, the, the climate he developed there. And then had such wonderful professors, my Greek and New Testament guy that I went to time and again uh, was Dr. Richard Mellick. And then I had Dr. Tom Nettles for church history, uh, which just further in, in, inflamed my love for church history. Um, so those those had great other professors. So those were great days. When I first went to the Memphis area, boy, I about killed myself though, Jared, uh, going to school, uh, trying to take care of the family. I would, I would, I was working at a hotel, um, the third shift, and so I'd go into the hotel at eleven o'clock at night, work to seven in the morning, go home, take a shower, be in class at eight till about two. We'd get off at two and go to a children's hospital downtown Memphis and work there till about six. Uh, we'd come home, eat, spend a little bit of time with the family, try to get a few hours in of sleep, try to study, uh, start all over again at 11. And uh, wow, that's you know, weekends I was doing an, an interim pastor up in the boot hill of Missouri, so I'd drive get off the hotel at seven and drive up there and uh, my wife would drive and I'd sleep and uh, we'd get there and we'd preach and go to somebody's house and eat. I'd go to sleep and preach again that night and drive back and start it all over again. So uh, I about wore myself out uh, for those, for that first time, those first months I was there. Then a church did call me to be their pastor in Northeast Arkansas. So I went there and uh, again, commuted back and forth not 90 miles this time, it was just 65, um, but would drive into Memphis each day for, you know, four days a week for seminary, and um, enjoyed those days, and uh, was able to, to finish that, uh, that degree up, uh, my MDiv there at Mid-America. And that was, uh, you said Northeast Arkansas, is that, that's Little Rock, is that kind of the area? No, it, it, no, Little Rock is pretty much dead center, Arkansas. Northeast Arkansas is, um, kind of Mississippi Delta region, uh, a lot of where I was, rice fields and soybean fields. So tons of mosquitoes uh, from the rice fields being flooded um, for a good part of the year. And uh, so in, in that area. Right. So about how big was the, the church? Was it a, a fairly good sized church? Was it really small? What they were, they were small. Both the one I had in Oklahoma, was at in Oklahoma and then the one in Northeast Arkansas were small churches. Um, so they, you know, but they were, they were great people to be with and um, to let me hone some pastoral and preaching skills with them. So uh, hate to think what they what all they put up with as far as um, both preaching and some probably crazy ideas, but uh, they were they were loving and supportive, and I appreciate that. So, what are some things that you you learned a lot there while there, uh, ministry wise? What are what are some of those you know both Oklahoma and in, um, in Northeast Arkansas? What did you learn for ministry? Well. Some of the things I learned there, uh, I think, would carry me on. Uh, I, I learned, you know, the importance of, of, of preaching the scriptures. I, 
I, I'm not sure where the influence came from in those early days, but uh, I, I remember in those first churches, taking a book of the Bible and preaching through it uh, the, best I, the best I could. And at that point, it may have been as much the influence of, of guys like John MacArthur. Um, MacArthur during those days had a, this, this will date me a little bit, cassette tape ministry. And uh, since I was a college student, his ministry would send me a box of tapes and let me, for no charge, let me wow. listen to them. And I'd listen to them all, send them back, and they'd send me another box. So it was guys like that and guys in the state of Oklahoma. There were some strong preachers in the state of Oklahoma um, that I was able to hear at conferences and things like that. So those, those were influences. So and the people responded well to the preaching of the scriptures that way. Um, and, and, and so I, that reinforced it for me. And then I think be, the way the people loved me, it was easy for me to love them. And I kept hearing Dr. Gray at seminary talk about the importance of loving your people, loving your people. And so that's what I tried to do. Just tried to, tried to preach the word, love the people. And, and I found that um, there's a lot of other things that go on in pastoral ministry, but if, if you do those two things, you're, you're pretty well got a two rail, two sides of the rail that will, uh, will, will pretty much take care of everything else. Uh, and, and that's, that's true. I mean, you know, later on in life, I, I managed hotels and uh, I had the privilege of working in some great hotels. And the, the best uh, guy I ever worked under in a hotel, I, he, he took me on his wings and he said, look, Frank, in hotels, two things you need to remember, no matter what the size of the hotel. Uh, provide a clean and well-maintained facility and you take good care of the guest, which sounded a whole lot like <laughs> the two things that uh, I thought were important in ministry, in pastoral ministry, and I, I think there is something there. So those are the things that I learned, and you know, after I finished at Mid-America, I did move from Northeast Arkansas to the middle of the state in Little Rock, and, and, and pastored a church there, was there for a number of years, and oh boy, loved that was that was such a joy, and those people such a joy for my life. So, so after Mid America, you said you you moved to Little Rock to pastor a church there. Was that a, a smaller church? Was it bigger? Was it what? Um, and and how was that different? How was it your experience different there, ministry wise? It, it was on the it was on the smaller side. Um, when I went there, it was a church that had been around uh, at that point probably 25 years or so and had through most of its history had been a rural church well the city of little rock had come to it uh little rock expanded to the west and there was this little country church stuck there in the middle of this growing uh city and so when i went we actually did what they would call today we didn't call it that back then, but we did a relaunch. Uh, we actually changed the name, 
uh, we changed the address of the post office so that it was on the main street out there, uh, which everybody in town knew about. Um, but we, we saw God do a, a real work of revival. We, we were able and privileged to host at that time uh, a conference from the what is now the North American Mission Board. I'll date myself again. At that point, it was the Home Mission Board. Uh, but I, I would, uh, they had me speak on um, leading a church uh, to growth and transitioning from being a rural to suburban church. And, uh, and we hosted the conference and, and stuff like that. So God, God was doing some great things there. And, and uh, you know, there are times I look back and think, boy, should I have ever left there? But uh, it, was, it was good and, and God, was, God was gracious to us there. And uh, some wonderful, wonderful people that, uh, that's still a part of my life today. So after... I know after uh, Little Rock, you um, did you go to Southern? Is that is that kind of when you transitioned there? Yeah, um, it is. What? So tell me about that. What was it like to, or I guess what what made you want to go to Southern, and like what kind of influenced that decision, and how was that transition like? Well, I was getting more opportunities to do some leadership things. I was you know, I was writing some articles for the state Baptist newspaper. I was, um, we were hosting and speaking at that conference that we had at our church and home mission board. I was speaking at some evangelism conferences. I was, uh, I was, uh, preaching and teaching and in various States, you know, across the country and, and, uh, being able to go, uh, teach some seminars and for the European Baptist Convention at their meetings in Interlock in Switzerland for a couple of years. You know, went to Guatemala and did some preaching down there. So those things were coming about, and I was uh, I, I was getting opportunity and being asked to do some things, and and so I began thinking that I I needed to I needed to be a little bit sharper. And, and the, one of the things about pastoral ministry that I love so much was teaching. And, and so I thought, you know, boy, it would be a dream to be able to pastor great people and to be able to teach in an academic setting as well. So I began praying about that and thinking about it. And, and Southern, was, um, that Southern was definitely not where they are today uh, or have been over the last few years. It was a time of transition. Um, Dr. Moeller had arrived at Southern and the transition had take, started taking place. Uh, but when I remember when I showed up, there were still remnants of the old line, both among students and faculty. Uh, but I, I kind of, that was an actual draw for me too. I, I wanted to be a part of what was going on there. And I knew that Southern had long had a reputation for great academics and, you know, especially when it came to church history. Um, and so we, we set sail for, for Louisville awesome. and started the, the PhD work there. So by this time you, you, um, you already had your MDiv, your you, um, undergrad, um, and then you've had 
multiple years of experience in ministry. Um, and when you arrive there uh, on the campus of Southern, um, you mentioned that it's just, it's a time of transition. Uh, Dr. Muller came in um, and was making those changes. Uh, I find that time interesting um, just because I look at our convention now, look at the seminaries now. I mean, um, I don't know of one professor that would, would, you know, I've heard stories of, of a lot of the professors at Southern at that time. Like one uh, professor called God mother or something like that, uh, what they claimed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know one uh, current Southern Baptist, uh, you know, uh, seminary professor say that, you know, that yeah. if, if I heard that, I'd be like, bro, you're in the wrong, <laughs> you're in the wrong place. So what, I mean, I guess I'm just like, it's like crazy to think, our convention had that like what was that like well it, jared that's a great great question and and it actually influences a lot of about what i think about what's going on in southern baptist life today um you know i i know that every generation has to contend for the truth of the gospel and the truth of the scriptures and the rich theological heritage that we have uh but I see some of the just harsh criticism, um, even of Southern and other places. And, and there's a part of me that says, brother, you, you have no idea. Because um, my, you know, my decision to go to Mid-America was based on, I wanted to be at a place where they held unequivocally, unequivocally to the views of inerrancy and infallibility of the scriptures. Um, that was an issue back then, uh, when I went to college in the eighties, uh, in the, you know, that was the early, early eighties. I was started college in 81. Um, and going to Southern, like you said, there were professors there. There was one who, he may have technically been gone by the time I got there, but I'd still seen him on campus. We overlapped each other. And I was just reading, cause I, I think he recently just uh, passed away but I got his book that was released soon before I got there and he was he was the systematic theology guy there um, and he wrote a book called Scandalous Providence now the idea behind this book was he had a wife who had struggled and died of you know painfully of cancer and his question is where's God in all this that came back to mind again as I've gone through the same things. His conclusions and my conclusions are diametrically opposites. Basically, his conclusion is that you have one of two choices. That if we assume God is a loving God, which I would agree, we only have two options, he would say. One is either God is not powerful enough to do anything about the cancer, or two, if he's powerful enough, then his knowledge has to be limited somewhat for him not to exercise that power. And neither one of those are satisfactory conclusions. That, right. That's not the God of the Bible. 
my conclusions and my wife's conclusions, yes, God loves her and me deeply. And he has the power. He could have healed her cancer instantaneously on any given day, but he didn't. And it's a trusting then in the wisdom and sovereign rule of God instead of why didn't you do it our way? And so when I went to Southern to work on my PhD, he was still around. Um, and so, yeah, there's nothing like that going on today. Right. Um, right. And, uh, and so I commend Dr. Muller for sticking to his guns and for uh, bringing about the changes. And, um, and it, it's always going to be a challenge. Like I said, every generation has to fight these battles and go through these things. But um, I, I was excited to be on the campus at Southern and uh, was able to be a teaching fellow for a couple of great guys and, and to study church history and theology in, in, those, in that doctoral setting. But it was, was wonderful until I blew it. But, <laughs> well, I, I would say uh, Southern has definitely changed a lot since then, uh, and yeah. a lot of our seminaries have, which is uh, it's fortunate and um, so thankful for um uh going you know talking about southern though uh i was watching um i think you saw the video i shared uh in in that facebook group we're part of baptist review um that video the it's like a documentary kind of battle of the minds i, I was watching it on the way back from from uh from houston the houston area this past weekend and had some time i got to watch that I, it, my mind was blown just by some of the things I was seeing, like the, the, they were having like vigils or something like that, like on campus, like, and they were just like basically outright, like, you know, condemning Moeller. Oh, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like sitting there, I'm like, what in the world? Like if that happened today at one of our seminaries, like, I mean, I mean, and also like, we're, you know, obviously like there's no liberalism like that today in our convention to that extent. Uh, but there's also no like uh, rebellions, you know, I guess like that, like th there's no like people out on the, in the, on the campuses, just calling out presidents like that. Like, it's just, uh, it, it blows yeah, they were mind. having sit, they were having sit-ins outside of his office and occupying the Norton hall. Uh, so yeah, it was, it, it was a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy time. Uh, right. Crazy time. That, that's well, the that's, previous, the predecessor to Dr. Moeller, while he was still president, uh, had called, basically called for a holy war against the conservative uh, resurgence. And so though, that was the mindset of those students and, and faculty that were there. They, they had heard their leader call a few years before, call out for a holy war. And uh, so they were, they, were trying to, they were trying to do that. So uh, how was your experience there, like, I guess, in terms of academic and uh, spiritual maturity. What what was that like uh, going through uh, Southern and and uh, learning? Well, I have to separate that into two two time frames. The first part was excellent. Uh, I, I mean, I was never so challenged in my life academically, um, and and boy, I loved what I was was reading and learning. I loved being uh, instead of just you know from the undergrad and master's level hearing the lectures and I was sitting around the table 
other guys and professors, you know, as peers and, and, and walking through these things. Uh, I was so rich and there was our, our group in that, that I was around most of the time was a small group, but man, God rose, raised up out of that group, a number of guys who, who have been very important in the life of, of the church and in our generation. And, um, and I loved it. Um, and, you know, Jared at the time I'd been praying, you know, well, before we ever got there, I was praying about, uh, because I pastored when I was in college, I pastored when I was in seminary, I pastored, uh, afterwards. So I was looking to pastor again. And in fact, having a difficult time really finding a, uh, much option for a church home. Uh, because Louisville's churches had be, been so affected by the uh, liberal views of the of the seminary over the years that uh, they were they were not in most cases you couldn't really even call them churches. Um, and uh, you know the first first night was there. I took my family to a Sunday night service. Um, at a church that I began looking at some of the material and heard the sermon. And I mean, it was a hotbed for the women in ministry movement. It was a hotbed for the, uh, you know, the neo-orthodoxy and, and just the, uh, you know, the scriptures have errors. You got to figure them out and, and stuff like that. So we'd been praying and uh, some guys praying with me about starting a new church. And so um, we ended up starting a new church there and loved it. But uh, as, as I've reflected over the years, I, I, while I loved it, I began to feel overwhelmed. The, the level of the workload, because I was working starting a new church, doing PhD work, taking care of a family. Um, by this point, four kids. Uh, one was already off to college. He was going to Washington uh, Baptist University in Arkansas. So that weight and then being surrounded by guys in my group that were such strong Christians and you could tell would be strong leaders and starting this church and having folks that were coming to the church who were, I, I began to question Lord, what, what am I doing in this situation that get guys here that are showing up that, um, that I'll never know as much as they know. And, um, you know, just, you know, and yet God was, God seemed to be, have his hand on that, but I, I began to get weary in, in some ways, and my tendency is when I get weary, my mind, I let things into my mind that don't need to be there, and so that old sin of lust began to stir its ugly head, and, um, you know, one day, went to a local bookstore, um, actually with the intent of 
for our new church plant. It was it was the closest bookstore to the a local school that we were renting to to meet in on Sundays. And so I went to this bookstore with the intent of trying to set up a a reading group where we would, you know, maybe make it open to the public and maybe read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and have people there we could discuss and and then, you know, let them know about the church. And while I was there, a lady um, at one of the book stands said, spoke to me, said something to me. And dared to make a painful story short over the next uh, few days and weeks that led to a huge fall on my part and, and huge sin that um, that cost me that ministry, cost me my education work, and it eventually would cost me my uh, my marriage and, and and my family. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um that's got to be tough. Um, and I mean, it's, you're, you're very weary, obviously, probably, um, spiritually, physically and all those things. And it's just, I think that's a lesson in of itself just to, for pastors to always be on guard and to be refreshed spiritually and have, I think I heard someone recently say that, that ministry is a marathon. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've probably heard that maybe 20 times, uh, over the years, but, uh, ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So pastors should be careful to, you know, I guess condition themselves to plan the long game, you know? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, and, and I think that is true. And, and for me, that weariness kicks, you know, kicks in now, I, I, please don't hear me saying that as kind of an excuse because the antidote to weariness mm-hmm. is not only some rest, but primarily it's the intake of the scriptures, not only into your mind, but deep into your heart and soul. It's that prayer life that, that just longs and desires for the things of God. And, and that weariness was was coupled with letting that letting that ember uh, almost smolder out. It never smoldered out altogether, but it got very faint and very weak. And so it was that weakness, which probably intensified the weariness, mm-hmm. that when opportunity presented itself, I didn't. I didn't have the armor on and I wasn't standing firm and, and, and Satan knew exactly where to hit me. And, and I, I bit hook, line and sinker. And, um, well, what a, what a tragic day that was, uh, that was for me. Um, you know, I, not a, not a day goes by. I don't reflect on that. Still to this day, not a day goes by. And that's been 24 years ago. And not a day goes by how I hurt my wife, who had been faithful and loving and supportive for all those years. She lived out in the country towns while I went to school, raising the family. 
And um, so, I, you know, I did a lot of damage. Um, I also, I mean, I did damage to the church uh, that we were starting. Thankfully, the Lord really wanted that church to be something there in Louisville. Um, the church rebounded from that jolt and uh, called Tom Schreiner to be the next pastor. And uh, boy, that, that was a home run for them. Um, and, you know, I also know that it was, it was a time where um, my actions were not good for the seminary either. Because they were in that time of transition. And here was somebody who was one of the conservative guys that have come in. Um, one of the guys who, you know, who they were uh, giving opportunities for to do things there uh, in the seminary life. And, um, and boy, they didn't, they didn't need this kind of, that kind of news. So um, it was a hard time. Yeah. So after um, that kind of, I guess, settled and um, like, what was your next step after that? Like, how did, how did you go about, um, I guess, the, the, uh, you know, the, I guess, maybe the process of rec reconciliation? How did you go about doing that? And I guess, returning to um, faithfulness? Well, it was, Jared, it was a long, it was a long journey, a long journey. Initially, it, it went very well, and uh, and I hope my words would be a warning to those who, in our day and time, would so readily jump back into the pulpit and pastoral ministry, right. and for churches to allow that to happen. I mean, we're, it's in the news again this week of one uh, of a pastor from Fort Worth who's been at a college and uh, you know at Cedarville and it's it's not you know takes a while but I initially I went through a formal church discipline process I was repentant but still because I was the pastor you know public discipline process that was hard and painful but loving and uh, my wife and I worked on trying to rekindle things and to make things right. Uh, the church helped me to go into a good godly, for us to go to a good godly uh, counselor that was one, the leading counselor at the seminary uh, on faculty. And, um, and so they did those things to really help us. And we began to rebuild and things began to work. Now, you know, I was out of ministry, I was out of a job because I was working for the seminary. Um, so, I mean, I, boy, I struggled there. Uh, I, I sold vac, tried to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. I sold shoes at Dillard's. I, you know, did all kinds of work trying to just put food on the table. Um, but after after about three years, to make a long story short, it didn't work, and uh, we went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so I found at the age of 40, um, I was, you know, was the woman I'd married when I was 16 is no longer my wife. So my response, Jared, was I just, I ran after the devil like the devil. Um, I, I was frustrated. I was angry. I was hurt. I was not thinking, you know, when I read about the demoniac and in the scriptures, uh, one of the things that Jesus did for him was after he healed him was to put him in his right mind. I was not in my right mind. Um, I was pursuing everything and that was wrong. And man, I was living a godless life. I, God is still beating me over the head. And there'd be those quiet times at night. He'd still whisper in my ear, whisper in my heart. Uh, this is not where I'm supposed to be. But it, it took a while for me to, to get back where I needed to be. I mean, a good while. So um, after, after your time in Louisville there, um, is that you moved to Florida? Is that when that happened? Or, or was that, when did that process uh, take place when you transitioned to Florida? Or maybe I'm skipping over a few states. <laughs> no, you're, you're not skipping over any states, but I mean, I stayed in Louisville for a while. Uh, I didn't move to Florida probably like six years later after the divorce. Um, but you know, I, I was the typical midlife crisis guy, um, young girlfriend, um, trying to be hip, you know, not did a very good job of it. Um, were you wearing skinny jeans? Is that what you were doing? Well, skinny jeans <laughs> hadn't come out at that point. That's probably right. the only thing that's fixed. That's, Spared me that. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God that God yeah. was keeping you from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was living a, a worldly lifestyle, pagan lifestyle, and um, you know, and God finally brought the hammer down on all that. And there were some guys who kept after me, um, Dr. Vickers from Southern Seminary was one of them in particular. He, even in my darkest and ugliest and most sinful days, he'd keep after me. And he'd call me up and say, let's go get a cup of coffee. And we'd go and we'd talk. And man, I'd spew such garbage. And he'd just sit there and listen and love me. And um, it was such such a key person to see me coming back to the Lord. And, you know, I go into the coffee shop there in the highlands of, of Louisville, which is kind of the, the hip neighborhood and hip coffee shops, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, go in early in the, you know, in the mornings with my girlfriend and order coffee on the way to, to work. And uh, the guy behind the counter was almost there every morning, and he had to hand him to me. When God began to kind of start the process of reeling me back in, 
I started attending every once in a while uh, a church called Sojourn uh, there in Louisville and um, saw the guy doing a lot of stuff at the church who was the guy handing me my coffee every morning. And he began telling me, he said, you know, every morning when I'd hand you that coffee, I'd, I knew your story. And I didn't know how he knew the story because I didn't know him. He said, but I knew your story. And it's kind of creepy. <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd hand you a cup of coffee and I'd have a prayer in my heart for you. And God answered things like that. And God did things like that. Again, slowly reeling me back in. I'd start creeping back a little bit. And then I'd, you know, I'm not a fisherman, but I, I know this is what happens sometimes. You start getting the fish closer and then boom, it takes off again and runs. And that's what I was doing. And I did that for a number of years. Um, you know, I met Susie um, and, um, you know, we would get married and after dating for a while, she was not a believer. So I wasn't following the Lord in that regard. Um, and then after being married for a few years, we did move to Florida. I was at that point in doing hotel management and she was from Florida. I could use a fresh break in life and uh, Florida has plenty of hotels. So we moved to Florida. Um, Definitely not a shortage there. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of what started that. And then, the, you know, as we started going to church in Florida, Susie had come to know the Lord one evening in, in our living room. You know, I knew enough to know that if she were to die, she was lost, spent eternity in hell. I loved it too much for that. And so we began talking about the things of the Lord and we'd been studying the scriptures and she started asking more questions. And one night she trusted the Lord in our living room. And so, you know, we, we started plugging in a little bit more to church, usually just kind of on the back row type kind of thing. Um, you know, first, last one in, first one out. And, and slowly God just kind of began through the ministry of the church and the preaching of the word began, began drawing us, um, back to himself. Um, so, but it took a long time. It's a long, long time. Yeah. So eventually, I know you eventually got into ministry again, um, like a teaching pastor position. Um, uh, I don't know if you were uh, on staff or anything like that, but you were an elder. Um, when did that happen? Uh, and, and what was that like, you know, kind of transition? Well, I actually wasn't an elder. Um, you know, I, one of the, I had, I've wrestled with that question for a long time. And I know it's one to be wrestled over about whether somebody who's gone through what I have can be uh, an elder role. Um, some days I think if there's a long time of proving faithfulness, that would be okay. Most days I, I, I probably hedge toward the other side saying, no, uh, it's a permanent disqualifying. And so because of my ambivalence, I had, I'd kind of uh, said to the Lord a long time ago, I'll leave that question to your church and the elders that already exist there. I'm not going to ask for it. I'm not going to push for it. I'll leave that to them. Well, that church down there, after I began really being a part of things, and they'd asked me to teach some classes and stuff, and um, uh asked me to consider being an elder and then <clears throat> and then we 
we're supposed to have one more big meeting about it. And, and then one of the, one of the key elders said he didn't think it was right. So we stopped it. Well, a year later, they came back and asked me again, said they were, they'd rethought it, wanted me to be. But by that point, I, I didn't think that's what the Lord wanted for me. I'd started having the serious heart attacks. Um, so I knew there were those limitations on me. And so I just felt like that's, I don't have to be that to do what God wants for me to do. I still want to be accountable and submissive to the elders. I'll do what they ask me, but I don't have to be one. But I was on the preaching team. So they started asking me to preach on a regular basis. So I was on the preaching team and I taught a class, a Sunday school class that um, was a booming class in that church. And, um, and you know, set in on a lot of, a lot of meetings where decisions would need to be made that, you know, the elders would take my consideration, set in on a lot of elders meetings, although I didn't have a vote or anything like that. So that's kind of been my role then kind of someone on the sidelines, but who can step in and teach and preach. And um, that's why I, I, I like it better this way anyway, especially at this age, especially at this age. Uh, you know, my health isn't the greatest. So, um, you know, I can preach and teach, you know, from time to time and hopefully just kind of get with guys one-on-one or small groups or teach some classes, stuff like that. That's kind of where my heart is. And, you know, hopefully I can do a little more writing. Um, so when I get through the season of mourning and grief over uh, the death of my wife, I think the writing thing will be a bigger part of what I'm doing. It's been a little hard for me to, to get through some of the writing projects that I want to do right now, but uh, right. that'll come. That'll come. Right. Well, good deal. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of that, um, you do have a, a blog. You have a, um, a blog right now that you, you keep up pretty regularly. Um, so I, I just want to point people to that. Uh, could you, could you uh, kind of refer to folks what, What's the, what's the um, address, the web address? It's simply frankgantz.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-G-A-N-T-Z.com. Yeah, and I'll put so, that in the notes, um, okay. the ep- episode notes. I'll, I'll make sure to put that there and okay. uh, people yeah. can click on that and, uh, and do that. So uh, kind of like, uh, I guess, the final part, I, I mean, maybe there's more that, that you haven't went into, but in, in terms of time frame, um, you and Susie, you, you were in, in Florida, you were a teaching, uh, on the te- preaching team, but you weren't an elder. Um, and then, um, that went on for about how long? Uh, that was probably close to a decade. So, okay. Yeah. And then, um, after that, that's when y'all moved uh, to Burleson. Yeah. And so, and now you're, you're at Graceview and uh, I I haven't heard you preach yet um, in, in person, but uh, Lord willing, I'll, I'll be able to get to do that one day. I, I, when, when uh, Landon, Landon is one of the elders at Graceview. He, he was telling me about Frank. uh, He said, yeah, man, you got to look up his sermon uh, sermons on YouTube. And so I did. And, got to listen to your one on solo scriptura and that was that was i think that i think that's what it was solo scriptura and 
was uh, I was really blessed by that. So, um, but but uh, Frank, w- w- anything else you want to share before we kind of uh, conclude? Well, uh, I guess just kind of a final uh, morning because I know a lot of folks that will hear this will probably be people in in ministry as well. Is uh, you know take to heart the. Paul's injunction to be not weary in well-doing. Um, and the way to do that is, is to saturate yourself in the scriptures. Not just reading, not just reading a chapter, closing it and saying you've done it, but letting it soak in, praying it back to the Lord, learning from God, hearing the voice of God through the scriptures, and and having you know, having it so that uh, when you close your Bibles, you can say, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us? If that's not there, you know, whether you fall so spectacularly as what I did, or whether you just kind of uh, continue on in some of the things you're doing, you're missing out. And that's one of the biggest regrets that I have is that I didn't keep that fire burning or let God keep that fire burning within me at a time when I, so I could have seen what all God would have done. But I know I got, God had to teach me some things that, that I, I probably was stubborn enough I never would have learned if I didn't fall flat on my face. And uh, that's, I mean, that's all me. But I'm thankful that he's willing to knock me all the way down and then pick me back up. So saturate yourself in the scriptures. Have a heart that cries out to God in prayer that your heart desires him and spending time with him more than anything else. Those are the those are the kind of the lasting things that that I would say because those are the things that are now such a huge part of my life. Um, I I can't imagine you know not opening up the book and hearing the voice of God. Can't imagine not crying out to him. Um, and that's that would be the key to all the other things we've talked about in this is making sure those disciplines tied in with the local church um, that would be the key so awesome that's a great um, word of encouragement for any pastor or you know, lay person at that. I mean, not just for pastors, but, you know, I guess especially pastors because, I mean, if you're a pastor and you're struggling with these things, um, I mean, how can you shepherd your people? You know, that's, it's just not, uh, that's not uh, plausible. I don't think when, when you're, you yourself are not doing those things that, that you just said, Frank, uh, that you just referred to. So, but Frank, uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story um thank you for for being 
so honest and uh, courageous with your story and, and, and just uh, being open about it. That's, that's such an encouragement to, to others, I'm sure. So I just want to thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, Jared. It, it, you know, my heart always breaks a little bit when I tell the story, but, um, but it is what God has brought me through. And, and, you know, and like I said, it's, I've seen much more how prone to wander I am and how sinful I am. But the good news of the gospel is that there's a God who's mighty to save. And, and so that's who I hope folks will pay attention to more than this weary sinner. Well, folks, uh, I want to thank you for, for tuning into this conversation with Frank. Um, you can, uh, if you want to check Frank's uh, blog out, his, uh, some of the content he puts out, go to his website. It's uh, there in the show notes. Um, and uh, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And um, if, uh, if you are able to uh, listen to some other episodes, go for it. Um, if not, if you're just tuning in for this one, that's great. Glad you're here. Um, but until next time, God bless.